God desires to rule over the hearts of men. He wants your heart more than anything else. And so it is the revealing of the Holy Spirit to the Word of God that gives us the power and the authority. You're not praying based on how good you live today. You're praying on what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. We are the church. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are an army sent forth to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is the rule of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We must prepare our hearts to do the works of the kingdom. We've trained and practiced and grown, but now it's time to implement. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason takes a deeper look at what it means to advance the kingdom. This morning I want to talk to you a little along those lines, and the title of the message is Advancing the Kingdom, Phase 2 for Southside Christian Fellowship. The kingdom of God is the rule of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Isaiah said, of His kingdom there shall be no end. There will continually be an increase. And so when you talk about the increase of God's kingdom, God desires to rule over the hearts of men. He wants your heart more than anything else. Friday night in our Bible study, in studying Hosea, we began to talk about Jacob because Jacob represented Judah, uh, the, the southern part of the kingdom of Israel. And Jacob had done all things kind of backwards. He, his name even meant surplanter. He was a, a deceptive character. But the one thing that, that he had was a desire. Lorraine started it out this morning saying hunger. There was a hunger for God. And, and so Jacob had a hunger for his birthright. You couldn't have screwed it up any more than Jacob did. He lied, he cheated, and he stole. How many of you know that's not the ways of God? Wait, I didn't see any hands go up. Let me try that again. Y'all must have been lying, cheating, and stealing. I don't know. <laughs> that's not God's way. All right, that is not the way God intended for it to be. That's not what God wanted. But what he loved about Jacob was his heart. And so what God did was he said, I'm going to change Jacob to conform to my image because his heart already conforms to my heart. He desired the birthright much more than Esau. And the scripture said, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. Esau was the one in store for all the blessings, but Jacob was the one that wanted the birthright. He wanted everything God had for him. And so we must treasure what God wants for us. We must have a heart after that, and we don't have to worry. God literally changed the way Jacob walked. And he spiritually did as well, but he changed the way he walked so that he would be a man after God. And so our hearts have to be hungry for the works of God and to, and to advance the kingdom. You know, the one thing God wants more than all the other things is our heart, but the second thing he wants is souls. God is desirous of souls. And so we have a way of doing that, and it's called sheep begetting sheep. You know, that's what we have to do is, is God says that His rule, of His rule there will be no end. Guess who He's going to use to rule? His warriors are His church. 
And so we are the ones that have been called into this place to do the things that God has called us to do, but we've been called to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it, up until now, we have trained, we've practiced, we've done all this thing, and God said we've grown, and we're, we're getting better and better and better in the prophetic. We're getting better and better and better in sharing our heart. And now God's saying, I want you to take it outside the building, and I want to begin to see it on the streets of McDonald. I want to see it on the streets of Stockbridge. I want to see it on the streets in Clayton County. I want to see it on the streets in Rockdale. I want to see the power of my power moving in the marketplace more than it ever has. And he said, if you if you'll reach out, I will deliver. Amen. Very interesting. We ate at the Green Butter Bean or whatever the name of that restaurant is over there. And um, I asked the I asked the the waitress, I just said, uh, where do you go to church? And she said, well, I don't go to church right now. And I said, well, how's your relationship with Jesus? She said, oh, I love Jesus real well. I just don't go to church, okay? And so I don't know what prompted it, but 15 minutes later, I can tell you more about her life than I can most of the people in this church. And it wasn't prophetic revelation. She told us everything we needed to know. And we prayed for her before we left. And we got to keep praying for her, and we got to go back and keep witnessing to her until we see her come in to the kingdom. Amen? So that she knows who she is. You've got to take it where you go. Wherever you go, there are people that are there. And you just ask the Lord. You just load up your six guns, you know, just kind of strut in there like a bad cowboy. Ain't been nothing on television lately, so I've been watching Gun Smoke and Have Gun Will Travel and... You know, some of my heroes when I was a kid, and they just kind of walk around with bowed legs and their hands on their guns. I like the riflemen, too. Y'all ever see the riflemen? Boy, you can just mow them down. That's the way we need to be. Just walk into the restaurant and say, here you go. Words, 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 words. <laughs> we ought to be ready. When we go to the gas station, man, we ought to be ready to, to share. When we go to the grocery store, we need to be ready to share. I promise you, if you're not ready, it's not going to happen. If you're not looking for somebody to minister to, you're not going to find them. But the Bible says there, there's gold. There is gold out there. There's treasure out there to be harvested. And he said, it's yours. And if you just look for it, he said, I'll show it to you. And he said, once I show it to you, you don't have to worry. You can move in the prophetic. That'll open their hearts. Or all you got to do is just say, tell them about Jesus. And they'll open up their hearts and share with you what's going on. How many of you had that experience where people just told you everything there was to know about them? You know why? Not because it's you, it's because of the Jesus inside of you. Warning. Turn to your neighbor and say, warning. Say it one more time. Warning. When they start talking, you have to listen. Men, raise your hand if you hear me. You have to listen. <laughs> Jeff, hand up. No, I'm just teasing you. Okay. We have to listen. What good is it if a person starts opening up and sharing their heart and we, we get... I've got to be at work. Man, my dog's hungry. Dry clean's got to pick that up. Come on, vomit all that stuff out and let's go. Mm -mm. Tell you how Jesus did it. Jesus is going to, to, to heal 
a sick person. This, this, I think it was a man's son. I can't remember the story completely. But anyway, he's on his way, and he's on his way. He sees a, 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 a dead person. And he tells all the people, he said, wait just a minute, I need to go pray for that one. No, you don't understand. This sick person, this person's going to die. Jesus said, no, you don't understand. I came to do the will of my Father. It'll wait. It'll wait. And he stops the whole procession. He stops everything he's doing. He makes his way through the crowd, and he raises the person from the dead. Then he goes, and he prays where he was supposed to be going, and that person got healed as well. And so both people got, got healed, and Jesus accomplished everything the Father had sent him to do. But if you get in too much of a hurry, and you're not listening to what the Father is telling you to do, nobody will get healed, and everybody will die. That's just what happens. And I say that sincerely because we get so busy with life, we forget that we are kingdom people. And so in phase two of this church, we want to be the church. It's exciting that the Holy Spirit flows in here. How many of you like that? You know, you're an unusual group. A lot of people don't like when the Holy Spirit flows. He can flow to a greater extent than we have, and He can flow to a lot lesser extent than we have. And that's good if He'll flow more. We'd love for Him to flow more. But it's not good enough for the Holy Spirit just to flow in here. If the river doesn't go from here outside there, the river gets stagnant, and before long, even the river begins to stink because of the deadness that's inside of it. And so we need to, to understand that God has called us to a place of delivering the word of the Lord. Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Turn to your neighbor. He said he's talking about you. Now this is a messianic word. Jesus is talking about himself. He's talking about himself, but he's saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now when you talk about the anointing, when you talk about I got the anointing, I got the anointing, a lot of people are talking about the spooky spiritual, whoa, that's not what the anointing is. The anointing is the power of God to break the yoke of bondage, whatever that bondage is. That's what it is. This is the anointing that you have received. You have the anointing to proclaim the good news to where people will hear it. You have the anointing to proclaim liberty to the captives. You have the anointing to, to, to preach the recovery of sight to the blind and to see their eyes open. You have the, the anointing to take to liberty those that are oppressed. You have the anointing to declare the favorable year of the Lord. Why is it the favorable year of the Lord? Because salvation is still here and present for for anybody that will say yes to Jesus. Oh, I get excited. I'm excited about what God's done. You're anointed. That's not some ethereal thing that we just kind of grasp and it's like some kind of flowing thing. No, it has definition. It has definition. And so we're going to walk in the power of what Jesus anointed us to do. And when you add to that, the scripture said, greater works than these shall you do. You go, oh my gosh. That anointing is going to be multiplied. It's multiplied because there are more of us. It's multiplied because there's more agreement on the earth. It's multiplied because the church comes forth in power. Mm. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. What does the kingdom do when it's advanced? What does Jesus do? The, 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 the enemy comes to kill you. But when the kingdom is being advanced... When the kingdom is being advanced, you begin to see life. 
I saw some, some cartoon movie, and I, I wish I could remember it. But the, everything had died, death, ice, and everything. And then the sun began to shine, and everything started melting, and everything started to come to life. And where there was nothing but dreariness, all of a sudden there, there was this beauty that broke forth. Can I tell you, that's what happened when Jesus Christ, when Jesus was born from the womb of a woman, everything that was dead all of a sudden started becoming alive. And when you walk through, anywhere you walk through, if you've got the Holy Spirit, whatever's dead will respond to the Jesus that's in you. Am I making sense to anybody? That's what he's saying to us. He's saying, I've come that they may have life. You're a life giver. Why? Because you've got Jesus. If you're not giving life, if you're just giving, if you're giving people a pain, there's something wrong. Most people see the thief only as Satan, but I'm here to tell you that the thief is religion. Go back and study it. Religion comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Yeah. Religion comes to put you in bondage. Jesus, I've come to give you life. I'm going to set you free from bondage. I'm going to set you free from all of those things. In John 8, 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, go read the whole thing. I've, I've edited it. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Religion. The reason so many people are caught up in religion is they don't know the Word of God. They're advancing the theology of some preacher or teacher not having studied the Word for themselves. I appreciate the, come, the fact that you have trust in me that I'm going to rightly divide the Word to you. But I'm going to tell you, I am, I am responsible for what I preach, but you're responsible for what you hear. Amen. Okay? And so he says, if my word abides in you, if my word abides in you, if my word has taken residence. John Gill said this, to abide in his word is to continue in it, having joyfully received it, to live by it and hold fast to it and not to be moved from it by the temptations of Satan, the cunning of those that lie in wait to deceive, nor by the reviling and persecutions, the frowns and the flatteries of men. And when men continue steadfast in his word and faithful to it, it is an evidence, it is an evidence that it has come with power and has a place in their hearts. Look what he said. He said, when we got a hold of that word and we walk out that word, he said, it is evidence to those that are around us that, that he is real and he has taken place. What is your reputation in the marketplace? What is your reputation in your neighborhood? What is your reputation on the highway? I won't say any more. Jesus said, I'll give you the truth and the truth will set you free. If you'll take my word, he said, you won't be hindered by these things. I'm not telling you life won't kick your legs out from under you. It will. But you've got a way to get back up. The Holy Spirit will lift you right back up. My heart can't even imagine what Gladys and Eugene are going through right this minute. I can't even imagine what they're going through. But I'm going to tell you something. I know the one that does. I know the one that can hold them. I know the one that can lift them. I know the one that can encourage them. I know the one that can strengthen them. Uh, Joni and Herman and I went over to the funeral home 
And we watched them for the first time as they began to see their son for the first time since this had happened. And let me tell you what I saw that moved me more than anything else. And I'm not going to tell you the whole thing because it's very personal. But one of the things that I saw was the fact that Eugene and then Gladys, they fell on their knees and they lifted their word and they began to worship God. You know what that testimony, that testifies to me? They abide in His Word. They abide in His Word. And His Word abides in Him. And there is power in that Word. Are they brokenhearted? Listen, they are so dazed and brokenhearted, it's not even funny. But they know the source of their strength. They know the source of their power. And they will get through, not because of who they are, but because of who they serve. They will get through because of the love of Jesus. The freedom that comes through Jesus can only come in and through the Holy Spirit of God. I'm just telling you, Jesus came to set us free. In John 8, 31, said, So Jesus said to the Jews, If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, Hello, Jews. Do we abide in His Word? Do we abide? 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the, now the Lord is the Spirit. What Spirit is He? He's the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You know, I remember I grew up in the 60s, and I, I can't remember who the group was. Y'all probably do. I, I'm a little more holy than that now. But, you know, but part of the song was freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Okay. We'll be praying for you. That is a lie out of the pits of hell. There is nothing worse than the bondage of Satan, the bondage of sin, the bondage of fear, the bondages that over, of oppression that overcome people. Yeah, there's a lot to lose. When you lose the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings, there is so much to lose, it's, it's unbelievable. The Holy Spirit brings revelation and illumination. He takes that word and He makes it real to your heart. You see, there are people that can read that Bible all the time. There are people that have studied that Bible. There are people that have, have linguistically translated that Bible. There are people that have gone through the Bible and they've decided what Jesus said and what Jesus didn't say. They got absolutely nothing out of it, but, but some kind of literary exercise because their heart wasn't being, re they were not being revealed in their heart what the Holy Spirit was saying. You can take a guy that doesn't have a first grade education, he can read one word and the Holy Spirit can explode it inside of him and he will be illuminated, he'll be set free, and God will be placed on the throne forever and ever. And so it is the revealing of the Holy Spirit to the Word of God that gives us the power and the authority. He immediately brings about transformation. He regenerates us. He makes us brand new. He sanctifies us. How many of you are glad you're being sanctified? Yeah. Woo! Me too. I'm not there yet. I know y'all thought I was, but I'm not. Freedom from the bondage of sin and the captivity of Satan. There's freedom from the fear of hell, wrath, and damnation. I am not afraid of hell. How about you? 
I'm not afraid of hell, but I know a lot of people that ought to be afraid of hell. Because if, if they don't understand who Jesus is, they're going to bust it wide open. And the party they're expecting that these rockers have told them about, it does not exist. There is nothing but oppression and torment and separation from the love of God forever and ever and ever. There is no faith, there is no hope, there is no love in hell. How would you like to wake up in that kind of torment every day of your life? If you could go to sleep, they will never rest. Well, how could God send somebody to hell? He doesn't. They choose it. Aren't you glad you came this morning? We're free from that. We don't have to worry about the wrath of God. We will not suffer the wrath of God. I don't care what you believe about the second coming. All I can tell you is this. You won't suffer the wrath of God. And you and I may differ in our beliefs about the second coming. Let me tell you something. He's coming. And the church is going to be called to Him in the sky. There's no two ways about that. But it doesn't make any difference. If He waits till before, after, end, I don't suffer the wrath of God. Why? I have a promise. I will not suffer the wrath of God. Why? Jesus took the wrath of God on my behalf. I don't have to come under it. That doesn't mean I'm a good person. That means I'm a God person. I belong to Him. I belong to Jesus. Where where He is, there is freedom from guilt and shame. If you're still walking in guilt and shame, you're walking in the bondage and the oppression of the enemy and you have not yet believed the truth of the Word of God. You're still trying to perform to make yourself acceptable. Forget it. You can't do it. Jacob didn't get delivered from being a surplanter until he pursued Christ or the angel with all his heart until he said, I will not leave until you bless me. And he touched his hip and changed his walk. You understand the hip areas where great power and strength comes from. You understand the hip area affects everything in your body. And so God changed him. God will regenerate you and transform you. And the things you used to love, you won't love anymore. You won't like them. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there, there's a spirit of sonship that brings value and worthiness to our lives. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there's access to God. We can go to God in boldness. You know what happens is we begin to look, go back to that shame and that thing, well, I don't know whether I can pray or not. You're not praying based on how good you live today. You're praying on what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. You're you're praying on the blood that was shed and the resurrection that took place. You're going into the throne room of God because He split the veil for us. You're going into the throne room of God because Jesus Christ Himself said, I will bring you into the presence of my Father. Well, I've got to be so holy and so good. Well, I'm glad I don't have to do that with my earthly father. I'd screw up this and he'd be the first one I'd want to go talk to. He may not like it. He may punish me for it. But he was also going to help me get through whatever was happening to me. I didn't run from my daddy. I ran to my daddy. And my daddy is not the greatest father My father, my father God is the greatest father there ever was. Why would I want to run away from him? He's saying, run to me, run to me, run to me.
I don't care if you've screwed it up. I don't care if you've lived like Jacob. I don't care what you've done. I don't care that you've declared yourself saved and you've lived like the world. Run to me, says the Lord. There's freedom. Religion won't let you do that. Well, you messed up. You can't ever come back to God again. It, it Kick that stuff to the curb. It's a lie out of the pits of hell. God's going to forgive you when you were a sinner, and now that you're His, He's not going to forgive you? What kind of theology is that? That's religion to put you back into bondage, to try to tie you up so you can't be free or get free. That's putting you under guilt and shame so that you can be controlled. Listen, God said, I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to give you freedom to choose me. I'm going to give you freedom to worship me. I'm going to give you freedom to submit yourself to me. You see, when you come into the presence of the Holy Spirit, that freedom, there means there's healing for past hurts and wounds. The little the young lady that we, we prayed with at the, at the green bean. What's the name of it? Y'all think that's Ruby Tuesdays across the street, too. I hate to tell you that's Diamond Mondays, in case you don't know. But, but anyway... You know what she was revealing to us with the hurts and wounds of the past? Rejection that she had experienced. Shame that she had walked through. Three strangers that she had never met before. But the Holy Spirit of God encountered her through the three of us and she wanted to lay that out. Why did she want to lay that out? Because she needed healing. She needed the deliverance. She needed the advancement of the kingdom of God in her life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's the power to forgive. And trust me, that's not always easy. Some of you know. Some of you have been even made the statement, I can't forgive. You can't, but He can. Let me say that again. You can't, but He can. And if you let Him take control, He will make what's real in Him real in you. Just remember this anytime you think you can't forgive somebody. He forgave you. And he, knew, he knows all your trash. I mean, that's the way it is, and he forgave you. See, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God gives us power. The Spirit of God gives us liberty. The Spirit of God gives us joy. The Spirit of God sets us free. When Jesus proclaimed it, he said, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He said, he said you're going to know it. Power to do what? Power to overcome fear. Power to overcome your failures. Power to walk in there. Power to, to lay hands on the sick. Power to prophesy. There's power there. But you've got to know that you know him. You've got to know that he abides in you. And then you've got to step out in faith. You've got to step out in what God's called you to. You see, we keep, which there's too many times that we doubt and doubt and doubt and doubt and doubt. And we let doubt control us rather than faith control us. We let our own flesh control us rather than, than the Spirit of God. We may be embarrassed. If we step out there and we fail, we might get embarrassed. Those people might go to hell if you don't step out there. Those people might not ever get the healing and the freedom that they need if you don't step out there. We are the church. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are an army sent forth to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. 
I love the experiences. I love the power. I love shaking from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. I love being put on my butt when the Holy Spirit comes. I love all that stuff. But if that doesn't translate into power outside this building, it is absolutely useless and worthless. You see, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be transformed and changed. You know, the, you know the lady that I know for sure got something when she was out for seven days? was Heidi Baker. You know how I know that? Because she went to a country and she turned that country upside down. A Muslim country and she preached Jesus and she took babies off of the trash heap. She began to do that. They would come in there and they would tell her if she didn't stop taking babies, they were going to kill her. Military men with military rifles. They would approach her and Ryland and say, we're going to kill you if you don't stop. And she'd say, kill me because the Holy Ghost has me on assignment. And the government, a Muslim government, stood behind her because she refused not to take care of the desperate and the dying. You know what he told them? He said, when you start doing what she's doing, I'll listen to you. When the church starts doing what the church is supposed to do, they will be listened to you. I, I don't even know, I am going to close, I, I don't even know what the mayor of Chicago, I don't know what belief he has. He may be Muslim for all I know. I, I have no idea. But this is what he said. He said, until faith and morality return to Chicago, there will not be an answer. And the news media have ridiculed him and shamed him and, may, and they have made fun of him and they will not even print what he said. He said it one time. They don't want to hear the truth. The truth is, it's not a president that's going to change this nation. It's not a congressman that's going to change this nation. It's the Holy Spirit of God in the church of the United States that will bring transformation to a nation. We've got to walk in the power of who he's called us to be. We've got to walk in the love that he has sent to us. And behold, I'm ascending the promise. We need to wait on him. He said, there's power and knowledge and understanding and counsel and love. I have the spirit of a sound mind. You see, we've got to be fortified. We've got to be inspired with courage and greatness of soul. God made you to be great. God made you to be great. Well, that's not humble. Our God is great. He made you to be great. He made you to be His representative. If I'm going to look like Jesus, I'm going to look great because Jesus looks great to me. See, I've got to know what the source of that greatness is. It can't, be a conceited, it can't be conceited in my own power and my own strength. It has to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it doesn't make any difference. I was created to be great. And this is the cool thing. All I have to do to be great is get out of God's way. I start the conversation, get out of the way, and let the Holy Spirit take over, and He does the rest. That's good. That's so good. That is so good. 
He's called us to be bold and fearless. He's called us to testify of Jesus. He's called us to bring, to bring the gospel to souls so that we see their conversion. And we get to witness the miracle of the Holy Spirit Himself. We're talking about wanting to see miracles. Those are miracles too. Just as much as Dale receiving his sight, and he will receive his sight. There's no question in my mind. With those, but when you see somebody come to Jesus, it's a miracle just like the, saving, the, the, the blind eyes opening. The Bible said... The Bible says that when a soul gets saved, there's a party taking place in heaven. It said the angels go to dancing and rejoicing and singing and praising and worshiping. Isn't that cool? I don't know about you, but I just hope they would party until Jesus returns because there's so many souls coming in the kingdom. Eddie Mason is the senior pastor at Southside Christian Fellowship, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. Please join us every Sunday morning. For service times, location, and other information about the church, visit us at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. Once again, thank you for listening, and may God bless and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.